Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka The Objective Geek on YouTube and Twitter. And this is take two, and I actually remembered to like turn everything on this time, and I'm pretty excited about it. This take is going to be great. Chris, how are you? I'm doing doing great. Um, just mowed the yard, and uh, my yard's somewhat manageable now, looking. I just wanted to say that we had a really nice conversation in take one <laughs> that we're not going to try to replicate. But I want everybody to know that we both had good weeks, and it's about to get better because we're going to talk about this good episode. And that's a very cheap summary of what you missed in take one. But uh, yeah, good week. And this episode is actually quite a bit of fun, and we have another good topic or two uh, that we're going to enjoy as well. But as usual, before we get into all that stuff... I don't know why I'm laughing about that. I'm laughing because, like, mowing a yard discussion did not compare to the other conversation we had. The other conversation was full of, like, touching personal things, and you're like, yeah, I mowed the yard. (laughs) You know what? I'm proud of you, man. Keep that yard down. But but for the sake of being genuine, we decided that, like, I wouldn't do that anyway. I wouldn't try and remake the conversation anyway. I think that's a testament to the type of people that we are, that we're not going to try to fake a conversation that we just had a real conversation at first. I will say that I also hate mowing the yard, and if I remember correctly, you hate mowing the yard. So the mere fact that it gets done at all, like, we deserve a pat on the back. So there it is, pat on the back. Way to go, us. Although I would say I had a lot of good contemplative moments mowing the yard. Like, you know how you you sit in the – oh, my gosh, now we're talking about mowing the yard. You know how you sit in the shower, right, you have these thoughts (laughs) – like, I had a lot of thoughts come to me today while mowing the yard. It was really good. Like, a lot of different video ideas and stuff. Um, I but, yeah, anyway. I don't enjoy long showers, so I don't have great thoughts in the shower. Uh, um, I love I, I'm a very quick shower person. I will Jeez. agree with the mowing the yard. I get so bored that my mind drifts all sorts of... <laughs> like, if you could paint a picture of whatever it was that came to my mind while I was mowing the yard, I'm convinced that it would be a confusing masterpiece because every it just every which way uh not not the shower though but i totally get it i know I, that that's me that's the weird person i think most people have their best shots uh their best shots best thoughts in the shower shots shower thoughts take a shot there we go <laughs> anyway uh we've we've done some work in the past couple of weeks first of all i need you all to know that we did our last video was a review of the book avatar the last airbender the rise of kiyoshi that is a new novel by FCE, all about Kiyoshi. It's one of two. And we talked about the book for like two and a half hours or something ludicrous. Yeah. And Chris, I listened to every minute of our discussion. I never do that. I never listen to our, I listen to it lightly sometimes when I want to like make minor edits and things. Other times just, it was interesting and I would really listen. I listened to all the 150 minutes of that podcast again and, and still enjoyed it. So don't, don't, you know what, go watch our review or better yet, just go read the book. It's an amazing. Also, book. yeah. Also, we've gotten a lot of great, I think, responses and a lot of views in that video. Like this yeah. two-hour and thirty-minute discussion, and you know, it's like it's just as popular as any of my other Avatar videos. And you know, people have watched it. I can see it, and they've commented. And thank you for anyone out there that uh, that watched it and and partook with us on on reading the book and everything. So I'm willing to say that it's probably our first or second most popular regular podcast video i think that's fair Definitely. to say and that surprises me because uh first of all it's so long and second of all it's pure spoilers that i thought that nobody would watch it i thought the exact opposite so just timely though it's very interesting it's a hot topic thank you all for your participation 
Uh, I put borrowing frenzy there because I wanted you to know I've already lent it to two people. So it's Ooh, on its nice. third person already who's wow. almost done. And then my wife's going to read it and that'll make four individual humans reading this book. And that alone is kind of a testament to what I do sort of like about books for a guy that doesn't read very much. You pass around, you share it. It's a good time. Chris, in the past couple of weeks, you've made a couple other videos, including my new personal favorite video <laughs> that you have ever made. And it should be everybody's because it's adorable. But I'll let you do the explaining. Uh, yes, my most recent video is the uh, best female characters from Avatar. That's include uh, After Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. And most importantly, it does feature my actual real-life daughter on it. I don't have any fake life daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, She's not she imaginary. Goes, she's a real human. Uh, yeah. She's a real girl. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 um, and, and she, and I featured her on that because one thing she really wanted to be on the video with me one of these days, and uh, and I knew that I was like one day days I was gonna do a best female characters avatar because I think avatar is so great with its female representation and empowerment and, and inspiration for little girls. And I thought, oh yeah, I should have her on this, and so she gave her three favorite characters. The thing is, like, my family watched the video. <laughs> like my my mom, awesome. I told you, I just was on a phone call with her right before this podcast she was like oh yeah i saw your objective geek video with kenzie <laughs> you know? i have never met your mom i know that you nailed that impersonation just because of the way that you said it that was beautiful <laughs> yeah. your in quotations the objective geek uh video on the youtube.com yeah. yeah. awesome. like, yeah she did good i'm like what do you mean she did good <laughs> like i guess so it's not like do you know what i've done for the past like two years i have nope doesn't matter you know. chris forget it yeah, it doesn't matter she's a grandma now she's got better priorities i'm sorry that's how it yeah. goes uh <laughs> i i i don't have any kids so i don't even get love like vicariously it all, it all goes elsewhere mm -hmm. but such is life uh your daughter did a really good job and she was clearly enjoying herself which is probably <laughs> the part that makes it the most fun for everybody else she was clearly eating it up Uh, yeah, and I, uh, other videos, I have no idea what other videos are there now. I, think I kind of can't remember that one takes over. Yeah. Um, That's okay. Uh, what movie, did you make one on the movie you didn't really want to go see and then you went and saw anyways? Um, did you do one on that? What was that even called? I have a Lion King review out. And, uh, you might have had uh, that one last time even. Ugh, I'm tired of Disney live action. I don't even want to talk about that. Black Disney. I'm, Stop it, Disney. I'm completely, I'm completely fine with Disney live-action remakes. You say that now until Disney takes over the world, then you'll be sad. Well, I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that Disney owns a lot of things, but they're going to do live-action remakes anyway, so that doesn't uh, make me feel all that bad. But anyway. <laughs> what a power move to just be like, hey, we're just canceling Fox stuff. Like That's amazing that a company can just say that like, if you'd said that 20 years ago, you'd be like, you can't cancel Fox stuff. And we're like, oh, yeah, they own Fox. Um, very interesting. I I did try my hand at a video, and I won't say that it went well, but I do have – I participate in a couple of video game-centric Facebook groups, and it was fun to, to make a video that I sort of catered toward the topics that we had been discussing in those groups. And so while it didn't get, like, any YouTube views, I got some Facebook love, and it felt good. Maybe I'll try it again sometime. But uh, another thing that I didn't put on here, or the last thing, is that on top of talking about this episode today, 
uh, we thought a fun conversation topic would be recently this article came out from can you remind me the name aaron ehas aaron ehas am i pronouncing that right i hope so uh i'm pretty sure it's pronounced that way aaron ehas he's the head writer of avatar last airbender and he is the creator of the dragon prince and essentially uh we decided it'd be fun to talk about today i hope i actually put a slide in here yeah i did uh, he had a discussion about how they were essentially prepared to write Avatar The Last Airbender Season 4. And it obviously never materialized. Uh, but it was a thing that was supposedly, I don't want to say in the works, that's too far. But it was planned. Am I understanding that properly? And Yeah, was... it was It was discussed. It was minimally discussed, I think. <laughs> minimally um, discussed. <laughs> yeah. And so there. he also he had previous uh, interviews with people, or really just this... He just tweeted out that he had thoughts about season four. They included Azula and how she would have some type of redemption arc and how Zuko would, would be that one to kind of lead her that way. That was a couple of months ago. And then recently he had an interview. Um, I forgot with who exactly. But in that interview, he was talking about season four and the other storylines in that season. Um, and he mentioned, he said, in my mind, I was always thinking this was going to be a four season arc, says Ihas. Mike and Brian's initial plan was three seasons, but there was a period where they were open to the possibility of a fourth season. There was a period where Mike said, hey, can you run season four? Then some of those plans got interrupted, which in uh, in a couple (laughs) months ago interview, the plans got interrupted because of the last Airbender movie. And um, you don't have to put all the blame on M. Night Shyamalan in that sense, because M. Night Shyamalan was like, because Brian and Mike did not want to do the fourth season because they wanted to help out on the on the film. Even M. Night was like, oh, no, you should go do season four. He was probably saying that because he didn't take any of their advice. He was trying to, to get film. rid of them actively. Like, hey, what if you yeah. didn't look on set ever? Why don't you go somewhere yeah. else? I do that to my but, wife when I'm about to destroy something. I'd be like, hey, you should go outside. Yeah, so it was the last Airbender, the film that that interrupted, um, that halted a possible season four. Um, and then uh, Aaron Hias go on to write and go on to say in his interview, my feeling about that was like, there's always a cost, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't pre- preface that with saying that the plot line would have involved about how Aang took away the Fire Lord's bending. Um, the Hias wrote, my feeling about that was like there's always a cost right there's always some balance you can't just be like i'm the avatar taking your powers away it's a great power but part of it part of it is you just took all this evil into you to take it away from someone else you're holding on to it to protect the world um yeah so that's pretty much the ang um that would have been one of the storyline was that Aang was struggling, taking some of this inside, and probably a considerable amount of anger and guilt and big feelings. And by the way, guess who would be the best person to have a vacation with? It's Zuko, someone who's processed a lot of anger on his own. Um, so I, I find it kind of interesting that Aaron Ehas like mentions all these possible season four things. Did it come off to you? Or... Is still pretty like it's still a little hurt about it. Maybe like that's how it. His, yeah, it's, his it's weird. voice I'm, I'm, sounded hurt to me. I kind of felt bad for him as I was reading through the article. Well, it's, it's weird. I have this. I feel like I have like a weird like protection of Brian Canisco and Michael DiMartino. <laughs> the <laughs> because, OGs. Uh, yeah, because so Brian and Mike, 
they they planned out this whole season three arc really in a matter of two or three weeks. Like they knew exactly how it was going to end. There was a lot of minor stuff. Well, not minors. Very important um, detail details, stuff that, yeah. that they didn't. Yeah, that they didn't have thought out that Aaron Ehas I think came in and really helped them with. Um, really like establishing characters and motives like Iroh, um, making Toph a girl instead of a boy, stuff like that. But to me, they had like a storyline and they told it and that's the story they went to tell. And then like the season four dangled out there and I'm like, yeah, maybe. And and I think Aaron Ehas, um, like he, he always brings up this potential, I say always, but he, he brings up this potential fourth season. And to me, Brian and Mike never brings those things up because they told their story that they wanted to tell. And also they don't want their story to be like impeded by what, what ifs and like, oh, well, what if Azula had a redemption arc? And what if Aang dealt with this and that? Like they tell their story and they just want to stand on its own, you know, without the shackles of that. And so that's, I mean, that's their property. That's their creation, right? That's their soul creation. While Aaron Ehas, that's not his soul creation, Right, like the Dragon Prince is his sole creation. Like he invented that. And so I think when it comes to Avatar, he's more willing to be like, oh, here's some possible storylines that have, that would have changed something that I'm not really the... It feels I, like I, more I of sound... a third party. Well, it doesn't have to be bad. It's just the way of life. But uh, like a third party outside advice as... that maybe the people receiving the advice don't necessarily want. It happens. Yeah, That's me... life. And, and I respect the crap out of everyone in this. Like, I love the Dragon Prince. Uh, I think they all do amazing jobs at doing uh, different things to, to different fit. Um, but I think I think my point with that is that is that um, is that he is he's just more willing to talk about uh, uh, the Avatar series and and like what possibly things could have happened while Brian and Mike are really quiet about it because they, I think, just want their story out there and they don't want it to be impeded by anything. Um, also, they're, also they, they're, both of those two are just kind of different when it comes to interaction with people. Like, Brian and Mike don't talk about really anything. While Aaron Ehouse does talk about a lot of stuff. He's pretty, he's fairly, relatively more social, like social media and stuff. So maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but... I, no, I think I think we need to go down this avatar. Uh, this avatar, sorry, this avenue. Excuse me, <laughs> I'm thinking too much into it uh, because I'd love to hear just in general your opinions of a whether or not you uh, would have enjoyed it or thought it was a good idea, and b what what you think might have actually happened in it. I, I think I interrupted you though. If you had more to say on the actual, I know. Well, on the actual well, on the, story piece. Yeah, on the um, on the actual on this story piece. This is just one half of the Ang storyline. Um, I think I would have been fine with that. Um, it would have felt... The thing is, I think a season four would have felt a little weak, especially compared to the grand story that was being told before, which is why I find weird that my Aaron Hughes House was thinking it was a four-season arc. To me, it would have been like a... Even if we had the fourth season, it would have been like a three-season arc, then a fourth, like, just epilogue, <laughs> like, arc. Um I don't think it would have been that, and granted, they probably would have written it in a really terrific, great way, but just this high-arcing story plot line of Aang dealing with that darkness in him, um, I don't know, it probably could have been interesting, but it would have just, like, one of my issues with the Star Wars uh, 
not remakes, but this new Star Wars trilogy is that it just continues this story that should have been ended with the original trilogy. But they're like, oh, the the Empire's gone, yay! And then like a couple years later, it's like, oh, well, the First Order's is here. Now we need more balance. Like I thought we already fought this off, and so the storylines regarding, um, I think the Fire Lord, like evil with an aim. Might not seem that interesting to me. Granted, like I said before, they probably would have written in an amazing way. I probably would have loved it. I, um, yeah, yeah, I selfishly, like selfishly, I think we all want more Avatar, and I think we would have watched it whether or not we enjoyed it as much. We probably still would have enjoyed it to an extent, right? Uh, but something in yeah. hindsight, uh, at least in hindsight, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but something that makes it so satisfying is that it's such a, a beautiful arc with just the right amount of closure at the end and just the right amount of... Uh, you know how I always complain about Marvel movies, how I don't want every single movie to be like, hey, the universe is about to be destroyed. I Like, I, I hate that in movie, uh, in movies. <laughs> well, in Avatar The Last Airbender, they, they make you feel like it is that way when really it is just one big power-hungry villain. He's not actually going to destroy the world, just going to take over. It's a little different. But, but it just wraps up so nicely and so mm-hmm. perfectly. It's such a beautiful sort of circular story uh, that I would have happily, I don't want to be a hypocrite, I would have happily watched more and enjoyed it. But in hindsight, yes, yeah. I think part of what makes us appreciate this show, I think we both actively have said it's probably our favorite television show. Part of that's probably because it, uh, it, it finishes off so nice. It knows when to quit. It doesn't overstay its welcome or anything like that. Um, I will say that if season four had happened, the the part I didn't like about the article in what you had described earlier was the the sort of uh, the sort of inner evil in Aang that he's kind of housing, I guess for for lack of a better term, because to me that kind of implies some weird things that probably it's to, totally opinion. Everybody could take it differently, but to me that sort of implies that there's either sort of a, an inherent evil attached to bending, or that bending is is like taking away his bending is sort of taking more than just his bending and that was kind of hard for me to wrap my mind like that felt like a forced plot device just to make ang more interesting and i would have hated that i would have like ang not just being the ang that i know and love through the entire series i would have hated that so much so and for that reason alone maybe more than anything i'm glad it didn't happen yeah, Yeah, it goes on to also say, um, it says that other storylines included one around the spirit world featuring Iroh. So that would have been interesting. Everybody, yeah, everybody would have loved that, right? More Iroh. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch a spinoff uh, series about Iroh. <laughs> um, and another was, and he, and he says, a story about a child being born that people were wondering if, if this was another airbender or not. In particular, Aang started to wonder if this was the reincarnation of Gyatso. That was something I wanted to do and talk about the idea of friendship lasting beyond lifetimes. And he goes on to say, even with these, he goes on to say, obviously, some right decisions were made um, because he he was talking about how everyone still loves Atla. Um, But then he says, uh, puts it, we had a fourth season if the world had deemed it. Um, So on on the thing about there are possibly being an airbender um, and it being a reincarnation of Gyatso. So there's been like, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about Avatar that people, the fans either might not notice or, or blatantly don't understand. Um, and like, so the reincarnation, reincarnation, every character 
and Avatar, it's reincarnated. And you don't get that sense until you, you don't really, I didn't really get that until, I mean, it's sort of implied, until watching Legend of Korra, where, you know, we, we discover Juan and how Juan was the first Avatar. And when Rava, when Juan dies, Rava tells him, we will be together for all your lifetimes. That implies that Juan was going to have his own lifetimes, regardless of Rava's interaction with him. A lot of people, I don't know, misconstrue that. But I think this goes to reinforce that, like, yeah, everyone has reincarnation. It's just that with the Avatar, he's really important. <laughs> like, he's the most, or he or she. His reincarnation is the, the most exciting. Yeah. No one's like, oh, crap, who's the Cabbage Man going to be reincarnated as? Gotta <laughs> find out. Is a dang shame because I bet his next life is way better, just given all the negative, uh, the the negativity he had to put up with in this one. I bet next time he comes back as a Cabbage King. Uh, uh, I hope so. Um, I hope so. And also, also with the Avatar, it's the only one that can be proved. <laughs> like it's yeah, proved by it's the only one with any sort of evidence. Uh, towards it's, it. it's proved by a someone has kept up all these Avatar relics, or whichever way that each nation proves who's the avatar and also they can physically bend the four elements nobody else can do that um like when it comes to everyone else it's like you can't prove who the reincarnation of Sokka is um which is i was thinking at one point in time like even before this came out it's like oh well what if like you could prove someone's a reincarnation of someone like what if someone was trying to find the netzazula and and you know have her take over and they're like that's it just kidding. That's not a good reincarnation. Don't don't look into that. Uh, but the, uh, that story plotline I find interesting, and maybe they can dive into it in the books. And also, this is the thing: is that like if there was a season four, we wouldn't have the comic books. And I think the comic books can be—they're all good, but I think they're good to varying degrees. I think the search is really good. Um, which I'm surprised if they mentioned the search in a possible season four. I do know that they considered making a movie of it, um, but that was like. Even I think after the last Airbender movie, and and Nickelodeon had no interest in doing really, I think uh, anything related to that. So Nickelodeon is pretty much done with uh, this particular this particular wrap yeah. at that point. Yeah, and I think they were good with. And then I don't know where that came at. It must have came before Korra, um, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so I think it would have been an interesting thought about the reincarnation stuff, but all. All these stories would have felt so minor compared to the three books, which is like an epic tale, <laughs> like never told before. And this would have been like, and this is and this slightly what happened. happened. Yeah. <laughs> it been like the reverse of The Hobbit, where there's an epic tale, and then there's one extra that's kind of important. The yeah. I also, uh, it's taken me a long time. I used to not be this way at all. But the older I've gotten, the more okay I am with ambiguity. So when it comes to, like, uh, say, Azula having a redemption arc or maybe not necessarily knowing what Aang did in those later years and that type of thing, like, I think a younger me would have been disappointed, but I'm actually learning to get better about being okay with that ambiguity. I don't have to know uh, every single detail. It's kind of fun, again, that we wrapped up so nicely on one story and then we moved on to another story that is also very good in its own right, even if it's not quite as beautifully cyclical as is Avatar The Last Airbender. Don't read too much into that. I'm not offering a comparison. I'm just saying I'm happy they moved. Uh, preserve the universe. It's such a big, beautiful, well-built-up universe. Use it. 
but tell me something different, and I'm really happy that happened. Uh, but again, hindsight 2020. If it was back in the day and it came on, I'd watch it. I'd watch it right now too. Probably I'd enjoy yeah. it. I'm sure. You but, know, it's it's yeah. interesting because um, a lot of people, I think, um, unjustly so, because I think some people dislike Legend of Korra a lot. They're like, oh, Aaron Ehas, because he wasn't involved with Legend of Korra, he must have been like the real important one of Avatar: Last Airbender. And I'm like, no, like he was definitely important without a doubt. Like his, he wrote a lot of. He, I think he was very much responsible for the character of Iroh and things, but like <clears throat> the whole Avatar universe, Brian and Mike created from scratch. <laughs> like this universe is unlike I think any other universe. A very um, thoroughly crafted, <laughs> a foundationally strong universe, which is much easier said than done. Yeah, and they did it in like three weeks, and and so I. I think everyone is amazing at a lot of things that they do. Like, I don't think I would try to be the same without Aaron Ehas, and it wouldn't be anything without Brian and Mike. Um, and Legend of Korra, I think, is amazing as well. I do think um, one of Aaron Ehas's great, one of his, you know, great abilities, I think, is to write characters, to character relationships, because I see that in the Dragon Prince. But I think Brian and Mike is really amazing at building story and conflict and epic and grandness of it all um like i think you see in legend of korra and also um, in avatar that i think is missing a little bit from the drag prince although that's hard to say because we're really early on in, in the drag it, prince, yeah it's but... really hard I, that one feels like it has a very big large uh, grand arc that we're just now scratching so it's hard to comment on that one i think yeah. brian and mike they are that's scotty and michael and then uh, I guess Aaron gets to be Dennis, uh, Dennis Rodman, or he can be, I don't know, he can be Horace Grant if he wants, or Kobe Shaq, and then Aaron can be Derek Fisher or whoever. He can hit those big Derek shots. Fisher. That's fine. Robert Ory, I don't know, take your pick. Long story short, Aaron, we appreciate your work. I don't think we, we are too upset that this didn't happen, but we are upset that it was because it was interrupted by that Shyamalan movie. But, Chris, I just had an idea. A brilliant idea, I think. Has your daughter mm. seen the Shyamalan movie? She has. She has, yes. I think, uh, so I have not, and we've discussed at length, and I've been procrastinating because I really don't want to watch it. You have been procrastinating. I, I've, I've I, specifically, <laughs> I specifically don't want to watch it. And it's not because I think it's going to be the worst movie of all time. I just, you know, you, it's like, I don't know. It's like knowing something tastes bad and then you're just going to eat it anyway voluntarily. Like it just seems stupid. Yeah. But what if we, when we, when we watch that movie and we'll do like live, live takes and reactions or whatever, I think we need to get your daughter in, in the mix for that. Let her sit with us, eat popcorn. She'll keep it rated PG. So I don't get too mad. Cause I won't cuss with kids in the room. Uh, we need to get here. No, I do think when we do that though, when the time comes, uh, some kind of, two-parter like first part kind of a highlights of of live reactions to things maybe with silent clips from the film and then maybe a short review as a separate thing afterward would be kind of fun but yeah uh blatantly intentionally procrastinating absolutely <laughs> it'll happen though it's gotta happen it'll be worth our time uh that's all I, I think that's all i got to say on season four uh very interesting article Aaron, we appreciate you. We appreciate the Dragon Prince. No hate here. No hate being spread with the Scotty, Scotty, Michael, Dennis Rodman comments. With that all being said, I think I am ready to move on. If you are, to book. Oh, you know what's a good. Oh, no, not ready to move on. Go ahead. Yeah, I was like, you know what's a good comparison? It's like 
No, this isn't a good comparison because they never won anything. I'll say it's like the Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook is Michael Dante DiMartino because also they're fairly like equal. Like neither one was like the leader. There's no team. Michael and, and there's then, no Kobe there. I get that. Yeah, and then uh, no offense, but they never, but they never made anything great, right? <laughs> and then there's got to be a perfect <laughs> like a like a, a three pair where there's say, an obvious two and one. Set. Yeah, without say James Harden, James Harden then left OKC and went to Houston. And then built a really great team there. So that's like the Dragon Prince. But also neither one of these people teams have done anything great. So they they <laughs> they haven't won anything and this is gonna be this is gonna be kinda mean, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. It was uh which team is DeAndre Jordan with? Is he at the is that the Nets? Um where did he, he go? Is Nets. Nets, yes. So it's like if they won, then Aaron Ehas would be DeAndre Jordan. He's like, see, I'm important too, but <laughs> I'm sorry, DeAndre. I used to be such a big fan, but you're just you're not the same anymore without Blake. It's fine. He's he's listening in on this podcast. He he's probably and not not only does he love Avatar Last Airbender, but he, loves, he listens to this podcast. He's one of the five regular listeners on this podcast. When he's not reading mean tweets on Jimmy Kimmel, by the way, I'm not joking, I actually am a big DeAndre Jordan fan. He has a good sense of humor. Go watch those mean tweets. He's listening to our podcast on Spotify. I bet he upgrades so he doesn't have to lift, listen to ads. I bet. He probably upgrades. Wait, we're on Spotify? Yeah. That's where I oh, listen yeah, to us. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's right. My I bad. would not forget. <laughs> I personally would argue that Spotify, with all due respect to Apple, uh, uh, iTunes, and Google Play, I think Spotify is probably the easiest way to listen to us. I think. Personal preference. It's well, totally... Well, I would, I would listen to us on Stitcher, but we're not on Stitcher, so... I thought we Stitch were. Is my, I don't think so. What? Stitch is my choice Hold to on. listen to podcasts. I painstakingly put us in way more places than we deserve. Let me let me check here. <laughs> Stitcher. Are we doing this live? Oh, do this. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're going to find out. <laughs> we are on Stitcher. <laughs> we're on the podcast. Actually, checking to see if I think on. that Stitcher is one of those I didn't even have to apply to. I think it actually just uh, picks things up from other... Oh, well, I should subscribe to our own thing on Stitcher. I think. Don't quote. I hope we are, but I'm not. I'm not going to swear. All right. I don't have a sign in, so I actually can't search it. You got your sign in? No. Another nah. time. Another time. I'm, yeah. Whatever. Hey, well, we're yeah. probably. Go listen to us, maybe, on Stitcher. If you made it to this <laughs> point in the podcast, clearly you found it already, so I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Book Two Earth, episode 29. It's yes. episode nine of Book Two. It's called Bitter Work. And. I can't it, I can't reiterate enough that it's it's just very interesting on numerous fronts. This is right after what is it right after? It's right after the chase, which had a pretty mm-hmm. epic ending where Azula caught Iroh with some evil, awful blue lightning. First time we've seen blue lightning, I think, in the entire universe. I believe this is our first exposure to uh, blue no. lightning. Uh no, Azula her first introduction she had lightning. Really, I think all lightning is yeah. Okay, well, um, never mind. I lied. Anyways, uh, she in the chase, she like straight up just destroys a giant brick wall with some lightning. It's really cool. But she hits Iro, and yeah. then all four of Team Avatar plus Zuko team up in a beautiful Avatar uh, metaphorical moment of bending at Azula to chase her away, and then Zuko takes Iro off to heal him up, and Team Avatar runs off. 
goes on their separate ways. So now we're still in the Earth Kingdom, hence Book 2 Earth. And they are essentially looking for a place for Aang to stop and train and finally learn earthbending. It's finally time for Toph to start teaching him. And that brings us Uh, to this episode. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I do like how this uh, episode is introduced. Aang is really excited and everything. And Toph is going to wakes up and Sokka's like just grumpy as it's going to be. Because everyone is loud, he's trying, he's trying to sleep. And it's been a long couple yeah. couple episodes. The previous few been a long, grouchy yeah. couple episodes. It, it has been, yeah, really has been. Um, and so, Aang and uh, and Toph starts training, and Aang is terrible at earthbending. He tries to earthbend this rock, and it just like forces him back. <laughs> I I took and... that as like his own airbending. Like I feel like he accidentally airbended, and it's sort of like his I don't know. Own... That, it's funny yeah. how you can interpret such a simple thing differently, but in my yeah, head, no, he right? was trying to earthbend, mm-hmm. but he accidentally airbent instead and just repelled himself back. That's funny. Either way, well, it, it's pretty it funny. It might have been used... Comes swinging. This is the first time I've watched it, I thought about this, that it might have been used to mirror how, like, when Zuko, later on in the episode, tries to lightning bend, everything just blows up in his face. Like, to yeah, me, he falls that's back a good mirror. the exact same way. Nice mirroring. Um, I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh, it's just funny how such a small thing can be interpreted differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's have a in conversation on Aang not being able to earthbend this big boulder. What really <laughs> happens in this two seconds that we open the episode with? Find out more on this yeah. episode. That's what keeps people um, coming back. Yeah, so pretty much Aang is just having a lot of issues with it. Like, But he's, he's doing the training and everything. He's actually getting kind of better at just the basics of earthbending not necessarily bending but just the the forms and everything and being able to 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 do like the motions and stuff they're still not able to earthbend and eventually i toff gets this huge rock and <laughs> and like this this ledge and she just tells Aang like all right you just gotta stop the rock that's it it looks like and looney then, tunes when she sets it. it looks like wiley coyote oh, trying to it, crash some coyote uh, trying to crash some roadrunner <laughs> It looks it ridiculous, does. and I dig it. <laughs> yes. I love it so much. Kind yes, of this whole episode has right. a Looney Tunes flair to it, other than the dramatic intercessions of, of Zuko and Iroh. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> like, when Katara's, like, worried about him, she's like, Toph, you think you think this is the best way to teach him earthbending? She's like, you know what, Katara? You're right. She takes off Aang's, like, belt thing and puts it around. She's like, it's much better if he does a blindfold. <laughs> thank you katara and Angus like yeah thanks katara <laughs> and then uh and then she she puts the rock down and ang just like jumps over it and toph is like really pissed at, that he doesn't try and let try and bend also she's pissed that he doesn't just give the rock the gratification of of killing him, him of killing the avatar <laughs> yeah. like hey how'd this avatar die i don't know what happened no idea yeah. this is this is the third avatar death dude's an <laughs> earth bender trying earth to bender teach. training <laughs> what, a, what a great story that would be uh uh but uh and then you know she she gets all mad at him and then like Katara's like, all right, we'll go and train. She's like, yeah, whatever, go splash in some water. <laughs> this is like peak. Maybe this is peak. Like, this is probably the last of like the very tough Toph that isn't like as loving. 
This is this the is still pinnacle her. of Grumpy Toff for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yes, we've that had is... we've had like bad teammate Toff. Now we're building up into like bad trainer Toff. But we promise the Toff that we grow to love very much is as around yeah. the corner. Who's still tough? We're not trying to take that away. Just yeah. less of a of a of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not like oh we'll be friends forever type of Toff right now. She's like all right, I got to teach you earthbending. Yeah, it's come just, here. Right now she's just <laughs> Sifu Toff. Yes. Which, which, like you said, um, which is funny. <laughs> Every now and then, I find like, right yeah, makes like guitar angle like, hey, you don't call me Sifu Katara, which, which is it's an adamant, very, uh, it's a very understandable gripe. But like, you ain't got a gripe about it, Katara. Like, you're that insecure that you need to be called Sifu. You're literally part of traveling avatar party. Like, you really need that distinction. I don't yeah. know. Be but so petty it does there, make Katara. up. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think the moment is it brings a nice moment later on in the episode. It does. Though. Yeah, it definitely does. That's probably um, the only reason it's even in there. It's like, hey, we got to have a one feel good moment in this episode, true. right? Yes. Yeah. There's probably two feel good moments in this episode, actually. Anyway, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I know we're getting oh, to good. what you're probably thinking is most likely your favorite part. Just guessing. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the best part of the episode, Sean. Why don't you get that? So, Wait. anyway, we open up. On the B side of the story, good parallel uh, episode here where there's two two separate lines going yeah. on. Yeah, and so a previous episode, Iroh was uh, pit with Azula's blue blue flame blue fire, and uh, and he's recovering, and he's he's asleep. But there's a, a vision he's having of him like young and just playing with the sun on a hill, and like it's it's like the most joyful time Iroh like this is his son Luten and they're rolling around and stuff just laughing and then that vision goes quickly to to Luten's um, tombstone and Iroh is just raining and Iroh is just sad and he says like we will be together again like holy crap like so much just great story being told in a matter of seconds um, and Iroh just you know waking up who out of it Cause like that's what he thinks about, like this this fuddy duddy uncle character who in season one was yeah he was just a fuddy duddy character like there's so much more to him. He uh, it's very very touching and it's also a shocking, sort of a shocking reversal from it's not the beginning of the episode is lighthearted but it sort of has a campy team avatar feel and then you jump to this like real punch you in the feels five seconds of the iro and you're like whoa that came out of nowhere and you're just nothing in the episode prior to this point really makes you think you're getting into that kind of episode i guess so it's hard hard to believe and uh he wakes up and uh zuko is mending him back to health and uh (laughs) and zuko gives him coffee he's like i hope i made it the way you liked it he drinks it (laughs) he's like And and if you notice, he quickly does this motion, and then just holding it, he spills the tea out of the window. Awesome. There you go, Iroh. Yeah, like really quickly. Preserve his feelings. That's good. That's important. Yeah. And I think he continues to pretend to drink it and everything. Uh, Anyway. to the uh, game. That's what that is. Yeah. Zuko's saying, like, hey, I need to, you know, I need to start training again. I need to learn more techniques if I'm going to beat Azula. And I know what you're going to say. She's my sister. I should learn to get along with her. It's like, no, 
she's crazy. She needs to go down. If they could say <laughs> the word bitch in this show, he would have called. He would have said, "Let's take this yeah. bitch down." If they could have, yes. yeah, probably. It's all, like I wanted him to say it. And <laughs> I, I, I know he doesn't say it, but as I'm watching, I was like, maybe he's gonna say it. <laughs> he doesn't say it. Just my imagination. Uh, so yeah, so and then he stands up, like offering, like, "It's time to resume your training." And like he, that he's very up. splinter-like. Yeah, <laughs> like, and he's still like so dramatic that I forgot that Zuko was actually like training from on like episode one and two. But then after that, the training don't get very much of that. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't talk about training, but they also didn't talk about like they didn't reiterate like you need training, you need training. Like they just kind of dropped the whole training thing, which I thought would have been in hindsight would be kind of interesting that like Zuko so focused on not finding Avatar that he's. He is just um, completely dis, uh, abandoning like actual Fire Nation uh, practices and fire training, and it's probably making him a worse bender in a sense, or making him more uncontrollable. Actually, that would have been really interesting. Now, think about it. Now, right, kind of gives some more build up to Iroh being <laughs> such a good character too, like dragging him back to these training yeah. sessions, even though it probably feels like they're unnecessary. Zuko does not Iroh. But like arrows that studying, yeah. like no, you still have to do this, champ. I know you've been a you know, disbanded, but come on, training time. I, yeah, that would have been kind of yeah. interesting. I don't know where you'd fit it in. Like every episode's packed, but it could have made it. I think it could have made it. I think you just, I think you just drop it in drop every now and hints. then, like just subtly. Yeah, you drop hints. Like Zuko's firebending is becoming more and more um, unbalanced, and it's becoming like, you know. Kind of wilder, just more, yeah, maybe. wilder, exactly, more control of it. He's becoming probably more like Zhao, right? You know, and we've seen Zhao before when he's when he's fighting, and he's like that. And so you can kind of parallel Zuko with Zhao, and in season two, you can parallel Zuko with Azula, who is in all control. Like she is, her fire bending is in complete control. And then you you talk about this, and it goes into this episode here, and finally season three. He gets into full control of his emotions while Zula's emotions um, and psyche starts to crumble. I'm glad you talk so. about that because I have a complaint about that to mention in, in a few minutes here. It's very important. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the, Chris, way to go. You just took the best show ever and you made it better. Great. I'm glad they didn't like shoehorn it in. Like, <laughs> Uncle's like, hey, we need to resume your training that we were doing up until a couple weeks ago when we separated, that we definitely did that whole time. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I agree completely. That'd have been an interesting little, just like side tidbit. Yeah, I gotta write that down. I'm, yeah. I'm building a list of, <laughs> of things that the Netflix show can do better. Call, but... call, I hope that list is like one thing. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot. They yeah. like this. It's a, it's a great show. I'm, like, I can't. The things we love the most get the most criticism. Part of life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway next part if if you don't mind i'm going to interject Go, just because i love this where Sokka, first of all he goes off hunting for food and it's perfect Sokka because a nobody cares like people barely notice he's leaving <laughs> b he's yeah. the only one thinking about food c he's going hunting but he's really only thinking about food for him so it's like Sokka in a nutshell and he's up in this tree and he sees this cute little I don't remember what he calls it. I remember Favorite what it tooth moose lion. But they oh, don't he doesn't know, know what that it is. Yet. He just sees he a little. Know it, yeah. uh, it just looks. He like doesn't a know moose. what it is. Like a, it looks like a little yeah. moose cub or something, and it's really cute. Yeah. And he's like, "You're adorable." Unfortunately for you, you're made of meat. And so, 
<laughs> he jumps from the tree and he's gonna just like bloody stab this animal on television but instead he falls into this crevice and the animal is like real close to him like kind of ta- not taunting him intentionally but close enough that he like tries to swing and attack at it again he just sinks further so now he's just trapped <laughs> he throws his boomerang barely <laughs> <laughs> he flicks it and it's such it's like pure Sokka in a nutshell, like a combination of determination and just kind of stupidity. <laughs> and it lands him in this crevice. And then we start this beautiful trend. It it kind of cuts in and out, so I don't know how far he goes. But essentially we get several shots throughout the episode of Sokka. Like first he swears off meat and he's gonna lead like a more karma uh karma driven lifestyle so he's gonna be a vegetarian and he's <laughs> yeah. gonna he's gonna quit being sarcastic and i said this is over the course of the whole episode I'm, i know i'm kind of condensing it down but like great revelation into Sokka, like a how bad he wants to get out of this hole and b like the things that he values most in life as he's essentially talking to this little baby moose thing that he doesn't know what it is yet and it's it's almost a third storyline. Normally, I, I mentioned earlier, we got a lot of these parallel episodes where there's Zuko and Iroh and then Team Avatar. Well, in this one, Sokka's off kind of doing his own thing, just stuck in this hole waiting, and he can't even move his arms or anything. And it's tremendous. Worth the price of entry just to hear him swear off sarcasm alone. <laughs> and, then, and then we cut back to, at some point, Iroh and Zuko getting back to training. Uh, yeah, so Iroh is going to show Zuko how to uh, lightning bend, and he tells him how like lightning is the purest form of fire bending, um, and and it is considered the cold blooded fire, uh, which is really interesting because we uh, I don't want to spoil Kyoshi novel. It's not. I mean, I'm sure everyone who watched our review probably. Everyone who listens regularly to this podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. Because uh, I kind of uh, want to mention it too, actually. Can we spoil it? We don't have to. It's fine. We can get to the point with that. Uh, I kind of want to. Yeah, just that. Just that. All right, lightning bending is something that um, there was rare in in the time of Kyoshi, and it's really interesting and in, in Kyoshi to see like, oh, this person can lightning bend. <laughs> you did that well, as well as it could be done. Uh, Nicely done. Uh, uh, I so this is where I take I take some issue, especially with like a character arc of Azula, is that they tie cold blooded fire uh, to having I, what does Iris say? Complete peace of mind, or your mind must be completely at peace. Is that yes? So in my head, the the character that does it in Kyoshi, from a sort of purely. In, in a very negative light, I can sort of see that character having a misguided peace of mind. Uh, Ozai, I can see Ozai having so much hubris that in a weird way I can see him having some peace of mind. But Azula is such a nutcase that it's hard for me to understand how, if it requires peace of mind, that this little like caffeinated up nut job can have achieved this tremendous feat of firebending at such a young age like to me that i don't know i kind of dislike that they tied it to peace of mind because it seems more like a pure talent thing like hey some of the strongest firebenders get to do this and if you're lucky you can figure it out but most people can't but they well, I, I think azula i think azula does have a a peace of mind until at the last 
you know, 10 episodes. Because she is, she's fairly, like, her emotions never get the best of her. It does, she's it always, stems from hubris. It's like a, it's like an entitlement, almost, that her and, like, Ozai have that leads to a peace of mind in their own little world kind of way. Their, their world is perfect. Yeah, I think, um, even towards the end there, when her, you know, <laughs> her, uh, her psyche is completely just crashed and she's gone completely mad, like clinically in- insane. She has like multiple real life psychological issues. Um, I think at that point she just knows how to lighting bend and you don't like unlearn it. Can't and also, it. yeah, you got, you got to already have it. Um, and then also the the more common things become, the more people can do them. Like we see in Legend of Korra, like Mako can lighten you bend. Like lighten bend is so normal that people do it to generate electricity. Um, so things just get kind of easier and easier. And Zuko is just like so freaking messed up that he can he can't do it. <laughs> I I do. I don't want to be the guy that just critiques. I do want to offer a solution. It's probably a similar thing, but instead of peace of mind, I wouldn't. I wanted something more like, like a total absence of emotion. Like peace of mind makes it sound like you're in a positive, uh, sort of controlled state of emotion. I'd want to be like total robotic, complete absence of emotion or any love or hatred or anything to in order to achieve this next level of bending. Like you had to be sort of purely an element. And I think something like that would have appeased me more, but it's very minor detail, so I'll get over it. I just. <laughs> It makes me mad that Azula just sort of knows how to do it inherently when she just strikes me as a crazy, uh, as a crazy woman. But I get it; it's fine. Uh, so then, yeah. So then, Azula can't do it though because completely blows up in his face, literally, and he gets all you know down and gloom about it. Um, and that's how that part ends. So then, I think so yeah. Uh, so then, on the flip side of that, oh, were you gonna say anything else? No, just that I think you're right, because I think later we talk more about redirecting it, kind of, in the yes. next cutaway. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, the next part, uh, Aang and Katara talking, and they're talking about just how, like, oh, you're not getting it. Like, there's no there's no work around here. You can't use the airbending tactic of, like, trying to figure out some scheme, how to get around it. You just got to face it head on. No different like, yeah, no. Yeah, there's no different angle. And Katara tells him, like, if water's the opposite of fire, what's the opposite of air? And then he was like, Earth, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you little snoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's like, well, you're working with your natural opposite. And, like, yeah, Earth being is Aang's natural opposite for so many reasons. And learning the other elements goes beyond just what's the opposite of your element. It goes also what's the opposite of your, like, characteristics. Like, with Korra, like, Airbending was most difficult for her, even though airbending is technically the nets. I'm sorry, it's the element right before hers. Um, but she was so um, she was so physically gifted that all those other three elements came so easily to her. But spiritual side, which is a big part of being an airbender, did not come natural to her. So airbending was hard for her. I never thought of that. Um, it's kind of a shame that they couldn't stick to that. Uh that exact I, uh, opposite but i from from an emotional place i i do get it but it's kind of a shame I, that it didn't work out perfectly i, I can definitely see both sides of that it's um because because bending bending is so much of a spiritual thing that it's you know probably more spiritual than it is physical and and 
and I can see how, in this case, Aang is not, he's not, you know, stubborn. He's not, like, tough at all. Um, but also, air is the opposite of Earth. So it works on both levels there. But I was fine with, with how it worked on, on Legend of Korra. It just speaks to the uniqueness of the, the character as more than just the next Avatar, like being a yeah. unique human within the Avatar line, maybe. Yeah, it didn't pigeonhole, yeah, it didn't pigeonhole like, oh, all Earthbenders are like this, and all waterbenders are like this like it let people be unique individuals but if you want to learn more about the importance of avatars learning those things in cycles uh there's a book you should read it's a very good book it's called the rise of kiyoshi <laughs> i really like how it explains certain things about it i say explains that's not the right word i really like how it explores <laughs> certain things about it explores is a good one yeah, yeah not explains at all um, don't go there looking for science yeah. Um, and then also we got the nice moment between um, Katara and, and Aang when she like throws some type of weird leaf thing at him that I think I've never seen in real life. And he water bends it. And then she says, you know, you have the reflexes of a water bending master. And he says, thank you, Katara. And he says, thank you, Sifu Katara. And, you know, that's just a nice moment there. That's one so. of the two nice moments we get. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we go back to Iroh, and he's like, all right, I see that Zuko's not getting this lightning thing, and so I'll make him feel better. I'll teach him something that not even Azula knows, um, the lightning redirection. And and I love, absolutely love when he goes through this. He's like, you know, no one knows this technique because I learned it myself from watching the waterbenders and... and uh, and the way he talks about the four nations, is, I think, is amazing. And this episode has some of my favorite Iro lines in it. It has my single um, favorite Iro line. In oh, it. well, okay. Let me go back. Before this, um, before he teaches, before he starts to teach Zuko about, I, th- I think this is when it happens. When he, before he starts yes, to teach Zuko about right. lightning redirection, um, Zuko's like, he's just angry, right? He's angry at the world. Everything blows up in and, my face. He's being all angsty yeah, teen, Zuko. Exactly. Um, and then, I can't think of the exact words, but Iroh says to him, Zuko's like, oh, I'm as proud as ever. Like, it, I got it. I got, talks, it I, got, I got it. I got it. He okay, says, okay. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what Zuko says, but something about uh, uh, Iroh's like, you, you have to get over this shame. And yes. Zuko says... I'm uh, I am as proud as ever. All right, you can pick it back up from here if you want. Yeah, I don't want says, to take your line away yeah. from you. No, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, you have to let go of your shame. I'm not shameful. I'm as proud as ever. As I know, Zuko, the opposite of shame is not pride, but its source. And I was like, oh crap, it's that's it's deep. The opposite of shame is not pride, but its source. Holy crap, Iroh, you just dropping knowledge bombs. Oh, that's big knowledge bomb. Like. <laughs> This, you know, it's probably one of my favorite lines of the series because it's so pervasively true in all of life, not just yeah. not just contained in the series. That's profound stuff. Uh, pride, it is. Um, dang, I forgot what <laughs> I forgot what a uh, quote that you were saying before in our in our uh, in our chat with. <laughs> uh, I'm having a hard time remembering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Mm-hmm. It's a long chat. We chat a lot. We, yeah, I do. <laughs> with Jamie, who was on in previous episodes. I hope she's listening. Hi, Jamie. Not literally right this instant because we're not live. Uh, but we 
we have very extensive chats, but we also all also have jobs. So like two people will chat and have very extensive chats. And the third person has to come in and read like three pages worth of novel full of insightful thoughts and stuff that none of us remembers later. That's what we're alluding to right now that we can't remember. I forgive us. There's a lot of info okay. in there. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep going. Uh, so Iroh is trying to teach Zuko about lightning redirection, but first he has to give him a lesson about the Four Nations. And Zuko is like nicely just sitting here listening, not knowing where this is going. <laughs> he kind of like like an eye roll moment where he's like, is this about the Avatar or something? Like, kind of a, yeah. a, a douchebag moment, but yeah, so he, Iroh he actually has, gets like, over it pretty quickly when Iroh explains the learning his redirection from the waterbenders. He kind of like, oh, that validates it. Yeah, so Iroh goes through each nation just how like and he has a nice little uh, PowerPoint, nice little whiteboard, but uh, an old age whiteboard <laughs> <laughs> where he draws the <laughs> where he talks about the four nations. He draws the symbols of them. He's like the water tribe is is a uh, is the water is the element of change. The members of the water tribe have a great sense of family, and if they hold on to each other. You know, they always behold the fire nations. Um, ambition and drive um, pushes them to be to be aggressive the air nomads are, are able to find peace and tranquility and the earth kingdom is you know earth is a stubborn element everything talks about the four nations and and you know Zuko's like why like that this sounds in the sand. yeah you know, Zuko's like all this four nation stuff it sounds like avatar stuff he was like you know the the, f the four elements of one person makes avatar powerful but it can make you more powerful too like if you draw wisdom from one place you know your you know wisdom becomes rigid and distorted but if you draw from whole you can become a better person pretty strong like, i learned pretty this strong white lotus like precursors yes here. yes very one thing it's just great life advice like i often think about one the some people like to downplay college a lot um <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think college was important to me. Like, my granted, my student loans almost paid off. Um, I got like a thousand or fifteen hundred left. Anyway, student important. loans are the devil. Uh, <laughs> they are, but um, but I, I would have done it anyway. But yeah. like when I went to, like you know, you're in high school, right? You, or you're in, you're you're in school, and you grow up pretty much the same group of friends. You hang out with the same people pretty much all through life, and so you're just given really one point of view on things. And then you kind of go to college and you start meeting like a lot of new people or you start going out into the real world and you start learning about, you know, different people and how they grew up so much different than you. Like, it's really easy to get into this mindset of I am normal and everyone thinks the way I think or should think the way I think. Um, but you need to really draw your wisdom and your experience from all different cultures and it can lead you to being a better person. Right, leads you to be more empathetic and everything. Um, so I think those life lessons is one of the really one of the best ones from Avatar. I think it's also the first time where we see uh, first time is probably big speech. So we we see before this that Iroh is not like any of the other Firebenders in general that we're showing. Firebenders is essentially Slytherin in that we know they probably are not all bad. It's just that we only ever see the bad ones, and that's Slytherin mm. to me. It, but it's the first time where, uh, at least in my memory, where it's not just the Iroh is different from the other Firebenders, but he's a little like 
just otherworldly as a human like nobody else in the series to this point has demonstrated any kind of this meta understanding uh and i think like i said mostly i get the the sense like uh the first time I watched that, I would have never guessed that he was part of this White Lotus group or what have you. But you just get the sense he's part of something bigger, and I think that's what this is kind of foreshadowing in a very yeah. in a very nice, not super subtle way, but a very nice way. Yeah. Um, and then, so he teaches him the, the lightning redirection technique and everything. And how, you know, and just in lightning bending, like, the way it works is that you open up, you separate the... Uh, negative energy from the positive energy kind of in the in the universe and then um then when the energy wants to come and clash back you create a uh, entryway for it to come back it comes back as lightning and the way that lightning redirection works is that you take it in and through your sea of chi and it's very important you don't let it hit your heart and then you come out the other end like you're just being you're just redirecting it you're just a vessel for it now the interesting thing here is that because they're just refer- referencing chi and everything, because I was getting a conversation with someone on Facebook, which is this one thing that I don't have, like, one of the few things I don't have a definitive answer on is that if anyone could redirect lightning, because everyone in the universe has chi, like, chi is just the energy within your body, and lightning redirection is just making lightning go down your chi paths and, um, and flow out another direction. The way I land on it is that, um, and this is through more research and everything, I think either answer is probably right. Like you don't have to be a firebender and able to redirect lightning, um, or you have to be a lightning bender. I would say the reason why you would have to be a lightning bender is that, or a firebender, um, is that because everyone has different Benders of a certain element have a different chi path opened up. So water benders have a chi path opened up, uh, which is how Amon can take away someone's bending. He can go and he can sense their chi paths. He can close that chi path with the same way that healers can open up chi paths and, and allow bender's body to, or allow anyone's body to heal faster. Um, Amon can find that chi path and close it and close your entryway of being able to bend which is why he was unable to take away Korra's um, airbending because it wasn't opened. And he couldn't take away something he couldn't find. Uh, um, I haven't thought about it that much, but I really, I, I like that description a lot. It would, <laughs> I think it would hurt my psyche to feel like anybody who is not a firebender <laughs> could, uh, could bend lightning. Yeah. So I appreciate so, that there's a, a physical, well, I guess kind of metaphysical connection between what you have and can control within your body and the type of bending ability that you have just been granted by, by fortune. Yeah. So I think with that knowledge, your chi path of the fire bending would have to be open in order for you to flow that chi out the other way. <laughs> but anyone can but... take it in and hold on to some bad lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anybody can be struck. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. If your chi doors aren't open, it's not going to end well. <laughs> No, I think that's a good. I've never thought about it at all. I think that's a good description. Like I said, I would, I would certainly not like the the idea that like, oh, anyone can lightning bend. That's no big deal. Just yeah, well, wasn't really that anyone could? Chi. Yeah, I guess it wasn't that anyone could lightning bend. Anyone could um could redirect lightning. Redirect. That's yeah, yeah redirect. But we but, in, uh... in the explanation you just gave, which I am now immediately a headcanon <laughs> fan of, 
we are saying that no, you actually have to be able to yes. bend fire and therefore yeah. be able to bend lightning in order to redirect. Yeah. I would say that's one of those things that like, like <laughs> that's that's one of those arguments that when someone have a different opinion, I'm not like, ah, oh, that's stupid. Because um, like sometimes hard, people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people are like, oh, Aang, Aang, um, Aang died when he got shot by lightning with Azula. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense for several reasons. Although some people give like valid reasons why Aang did die. Although I think there's canon stuff in the universe that says that Aang didn't die when Azula shot him with lightning. I'm going to say he didn't die because there wasn't a new avatar. <laughs> I don't yes. Yes, <laughs> I know. That's that's the... But then they're like, oh, well, the spirit water actually got Rava back. I'm like, well, the whole that's thing about... That's not avatar works, man. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, the reason why the thing is... Anyway, that's another conversation for... No, we got to solve this now. <laughs> no, you're right. Different conversation for a different day. I'm going to fall yeah. back on, he didn't die because he's still alive. <laughs> Maybe his heart stopped. I'll give you that one. Maybe he was... Uh, he flatlined for a second. I'll give you that much. Theorists. I'm very pure to the uh, canon on this stuff. <laughs> very pure. All right. Uh, different topic. So then... So then Zuko asked him, like, all right, I'm ready to try it. And oh, I, I was hate like, this Zuko so much. Oh. I was like, uh, no, I'm not going to throw lightning at you. They just sit and drew a picture, and then all of a sudden Zuko's like, well, they and they, they did some exercises. Yeah, they, they did that. And then Zuko's like, all right, toss some lightning at me. Like, this is like all this progress that we've had with Zuko through a series, and like in about 10 seconds just thrown away to me like i don't care about how you feel about the subject i don't care about your wisdom and your expertise what could happen to me nothing i'm just gonna do it it's like this is the douchebaggest biggest piece of crap zuko in the entire series right in these 20 seconds and it pisses me off so much that's my soapbox sorry i'll say i'm i'm not nearly as mad no it really makes me angry any progress that he has made a uh, lot of respect lost in these couple minutes. Right here. <laughs> uh, all right. So the flip side of that, we have the uh, the moose line. Subject real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the episode changes uh, the subject really quick. It's it's fine. Yeah. It's very dramatic, abrupt cuts. Uh, so Sok is stuck in, in that in that crevice, and uh, and Ang finds him. <laughs> There's like a lot of nice. I think. Not nice, a lot of funny conversation. Like, he's like, uh, Aang, get me out. And he's like, I can't. I don't want, I can't. I don't. I Doesn't he, he like, sit down and start, like, confessing yeah, just... to him a little bit? He's like, I can't. Yeah. And it's like having a heart to heart while Zuko's in there starving and can kind of dying. Sokka. Yeah. Sorry, Sokka. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to mentally kill Zuko. I'm sorry. I think I think they mentioned, like, being stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. <laughs> 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 And uh, and Aang, they, they and Aang does that. try and air oh, bend him out, <laughs> and Aang tries to, like air bend him out, and it doesn't work. Saga's hair just like flies and, and stuff, and I, I think it probably hurts Saga. And then the mo the mother of the uh, little moose lion cub comes up, and she is a saber tooth moose lion. I like how Aang is like, oh, like he he picks up the little <laughs> moose lion thing. I do it's love how Aang is like. Belly. I do love that Aang is like an animal lover. <laughs> um, something we don't see with Korra, that girl. Yeah, she hates all animals. 
Um, just kidding. Sorry. Like, uh, sarcasm. Yeah. I'm not swearing yeah. off a of sarcasm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, it's a little saber-toothed Miss Lion. And Sokka's like, huh, really? Yeah. She's like, he was like, yeah, you know, it hasn't it doesn't grow the horns in and the antlers in until later on. Uh, where's your mama, fella? Where's your mama, fella? And then like, yeah, there's the big, huge saber tooth moose lion, and the Aang pretty much faces it. Um, he tries to like just redirect it, but that doesn't work. So he has to face it head on. And he does, and he smacks the crap out of it, and then just like Earth nonchalantly, yeah, they're nonchalantly in the back. It's tough as clapping. And then Aang is like, you've been here the whole time? I was in trouble. Sokka was in trouble. And Toph was like, oh, didn't occur to me to help out. And then just, like, this is the Toph that isn't like, oh my gosh, we love Toph yet. The, the, this isn't the, like, their best friend type of Toph yet. We're getting there, but we're still pretty angry. Yeah. And then, uh, and then she has a staff. Oh, we got red machine. She has a staff, which is like an ancient relic, and she's just banging against the place. She's, she's just cracking like crack, walnuts. Like, yeah, walnuts or something, which I don't know if you've ever cracked a walnut, and I don't know if it's actually a walnut, but I think it's implying that it is. I don't know if you ever cracked a walnut. It's not very easy with metal <laughs> tools, and she's just whacking at it like unceremoniously with Aang's yeah. most prized, Aang's only prized possession, actually. <laughs> And finally, Angus like, that's enough. And he takes the staff back, and she's like, do it, Earthbend. Like, you just went up against a raging beast, and more importantly, you went up against me. Do it. You got the stuff. And he, and he Earthbends finally, and, like, that's great and everything. I thought she was going to, you know how, I thought she was going to say, like, you just went up against a raging beast, and you went up against that moose lion. Like, as if she was the raging beast. That would have fit nicely that's how, in with the rest of the comedy thought, in this episode. Yeah. That would have done. So. Good joke. Good joke. Mm-hmm. I would have laughed. Yeah. Um, and then he finally earth bends and he's like, all right, talk, I'm going to bend you out. And then, and then Toph's like, wait, no, you might crush him. And then he's like, yes, no crushing, please. And like the way she takes him out of it is like pulling weeds. Yeah, <laughs> just like, like boom. pluck motion. And almost. just, yeah. Just like drops him on the floor. And then finally they get reunited with Katara and then uh, <laughs> no one cares about Sock. It's so funny. Not at all. Um, I was like, hey, you're back. And then Sokka's trying to have like this real life moment of like, all that time in there? I didn't think I was going to ever get out. And then Angus like, hey, Katara, look at this. And then she completely forgets about Sokka and, and his turmoil that he's been through. Is the perfect ending to, the, to Sokka's episode. Yeah. Also, he uh, he wants to meet again. When we saw, oh, oh yeah, when he saw Aang, he gets out of that. Right when we saw Aang, he's like, "Hey, Aang, you're back. Do you have any meat?" The thing is, he asked a, a vegetarian if he had any meat. Yeah, that didn't even occur to me. That's brilliant. I swore off <laughs> uh, me, and I'm gonna have good karma. Hey, at peace, vegetarian. Do you have any jerky? That would, that would be funny if, if Aang was like, "No, I'm a vegetarian," and then would have been. Maybe not that, but it would have been a... Yeah, I would have laughed. I would <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. It was already a funny episode, and you keep pointing out opportunities for more more comedy. Take those down <laughs> in your Netflix notes. Let's send them to somebody. Somebody mm. important. Make it happen. Yeah. Uh, that's, so my that's, life, that's my life goal, is that for Brian and Mike to find my Netflix casting video, and like maybe they'll be like, you know what? Some of this casting is really good. 
Like, Let's call this guy up. <laughs> like, maybe they don't even take it, but they respect it enough that they're like, hey, we yes. should at least have a yes. talk yeah. with him, you know? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Would be. The thing is, as a, I think it, maybe it's an introverted thing I do, but I have all these, uh, all these um, parallel universes happening of random things that that happen that won't happen and like they could be like the minor things or really big grand things and uh but my head goes through these avenues and lives it out <laughs> that's that's just a uh, mowing that's the mowing is what it's you're out there exploring yeah. larger parallel universes of things yeah it's all mowing uh, is good for yeah, so, all right, so on the other side, that's the end of that plot with uh, Aang and That's the other feel-good part here. There's two feel-good parts in this whole episode. And the last part, the second one, is that Aang earthbends and Toph doesn't let him kill Sokka. So that's pretty yes. nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Zuko's like, fine, Iroh, if you're not going to hit me with lightning, I'll go find my own lightning. And I think this moment is... An amazing moment, Sean. You might disagree. I don't know I why. I love disagree. this moment. He goes on top of a mountain, and like, just the fact that he wants the world to strike him with lightning to prove that he can give it back means he's he's so freaking lost. Like he's he doesn't he's know what to do. Just an emotional like, crazy kid on a hill yelling at storms. That sounds more like the behavior of a meth head than a person <laughs> that we should be paying attention to. Like, <laughs> man, that that scene, that scene of him looking up the water is coming down on him as if he's already crying because the water just cascading off of him he's like you've already you've, you've never held back before like he's been through so much crap that that he finally wants some crap to happen to him and doesn't happen like, that's how messed up his life is um and then when it finally doesn't happen he just like just tightens his eyes and the tear falls out i love that moment like it's it's one of those moments that you're not necessarily supposed to love where Zuko's at as a character. Um, because he is, like... I think in this moment he is, like, somewhat pretentious that the world owes him something. Um, but I still think it's a great character development. It's great I think it is character a great, moments for him. It's a great moment within the episode. Uh, but we are literally talking about, like, yeah, it's probably my least favorite Zuko place since the first couple of episodes when Zuko <laughs> was just very two-dimensional still. Uh, it's probably my least favorite Zuko since then. But it's a great moment uh, within the scope of what the episode's trying to get across. But what I'm telling you is that if you, if you were walking uh, in a park and it started raining <laughs> and you just see, like, over on this hill or up in this tree or something, just some person with, like, a scar on his face and just like war-torn from months and months of travel, just yelling at the sky, you'd be like, is that Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump? Do you want me to call an ambulance or something, buddy? Can I help you out? You wouldn't be like, ah, oh, wow, what an amazing story. Like, <laughs> it would be horrifying. <laughs> Especially if it was an angsty teenager. I'd be so confused. Uh, no, it's a great moment within the episode. I'm not going to detract too much or anything from that. Just, it's not my favorite Zuko at all. Bad, bad, bad. Can't Zuko wait to get to some now. Zuko that you like. I'm not. I mean, I guess I won't be until season. I mean, look at last episode, man. We got like real Zuko, oh. uh, kind Better, of, yeah. kind of picturing a greater good, even in a, even in a sort of micro sense. And it's not that it lasted, but 
like Zuko recognizing the moment as a person rather than as a as an angsty teenager or a Fire Nation uh, member of the Fire Nation royal family or anything like that. So even last episode, that's, that's good Zuko right there. In the beginning of this episode, he's taken all the training stuff pretty well. Um, even when he rolls his eyes at Airbender talk, maybe that's why I don't, or maybe that's why it feels uh, a little tough to swallow. Here is like up to that point in the episode where he's just like, "Uncle, teach me throw throw lightning at me." Up to that point, like we're getting kind of real, real good Zuko, but like he just has a breakdown. <laughs> maybe things getting too real for him. He's 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 turning towards the light side too quickly, and he needs a breakdown to happen or something. I don't know, but it's okay. It's not, um, it's not like docking the episode or anything. I see why it's important. I see why you like it. You're not supposed <laughs> and, uh, to like it. You that's... said it. You're not supposed to like him here. Yeah. And uh appreciate sure that's the episode. Yeah. And a lot a lot of stuff happening in 22 minutes, uh, <laughs> as evidenced by the hour and 16 minutes we've talked about. In our defense, some of that was about uh, yeah. season four that's not real. Chris, do you want to walk us through your ratings? Alright, uh, IO Visual 7. I thought there wasn't really anything that stood out in this episode. Maybe um, there wasn't a lot of great storytelling and um, an exposition just done in those flashbacks. It was really cool. And um, and I think Zuko and the Lightning after in the thunderstorm that won't strike him was pretty good. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a standout audiovisual-wise. So I guess a 7. Um, story, I guess an 8.5. I think the thing that drove it most here had nothing to do with the 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 a plot of of uh, Toph teaching Aang. It had all to do with Zuko and a lot to do with Iroh and just to talk about the four nations. Thought all of that was really amazing. So it's an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, memorable eight out of ten. It's a it pretty much has some of my favorite Iroh quotes in it, and and that's what makes it the most memorable for me. Oh, and, and also the funny stuff with with uh, Saga. It's, it's not like pure comedy as much as sort of a, a situational, I guess. But yeah, it's good stuff. So 7.9 out of 10. So I, I went a little higher on the audiovisual because I thought on the earthbending and firebending side, there's a lot of cool um, uh, choreography, so to speak. Not a lot necessarily going on visually or with the music or anything, but there's some cool choreography. A lot of different stuff on both sides. I gave it an eight. Story, same, 8.5. As I mentioned, there's a lot of episodes that are like parallel stories. Sometimes one is kind of lacking and the other is not. Uh, Like the other, there's like one that's main and the other is not. Here I do actually feel pretty good balance. Obviously, maybe the more deeper, meaningful, impactful stuff is Iroh and Zuko. But we're also talking about Aang learning to earthbend. So that's kind of cool. So there's two good parallel stories happening here. Very different types. Memorable, 7.5. If I could take it back, I'd probably even knock that up a hair. Um, I, I can't really speak to why I'm so harsh about it other than, uh, I guess, maybe just some of the episode specifics might get away from me. Like, before I rewatched it, I would not have remembered that, hey, this is the episode where Iroh had some of his best quotes and where they started talking about balance and stuff. I would have just remembered it as uh, Suko starts trying to figure out a lightning uh, how to redirect lightning and how Aang's trying to figure out earthbending. I probably wouldn't have remembered all these fine tooth specifics that I see now and really like, but that's probably too harsh on it. Either way, it's fine. It's a score of 8.1. That's a real solid episode. Comes out to a nice 8. And the type of episode that I would probably recommend to, to most people interested 
in Avatar. Like, just good, well-rounded, lots of Avatar things happening in all spectrums of the comedy and serious scale here. It's good stuff. Yes. What a, what a great picture. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why that picture is. She's putting him through these drills. Like, he's not, you know, he's used to in these other bending styles where he's he's learning, say, choreography, so to speak. But now Toph's just, like, literal, like, physical drilling him. He, at one point, I think he's just straight up, like, punching He's just punching a rock or something. It just looks stupid. Uh, but she's straight up yelling at him, like, you got to be more rock-like. <laughs> I don't know why it strikes me as so dumb, but it's very, you know what, you know, very stubborn. You know what I think is, I, I was thinking, like, this is, like, a joyful moment. Like, I think there's a lot of, it, for some reason, I find it Peanuts-inspired, maybe only because Angus bald that, yeah, and Charlie Brown fair. is bald. Um <laughs> But then I started thinking about like Legend of Korra and how like there aren't as many I think joyful moments in Legend of Korra because Legend of Korra is a completely different story and it's way more focused on Korra's struggles. Um, I mean, there are some joyful moments in it, but actually, the there isn't as many like minor random moments of joy here. And this one has some has one or two real cute ones. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if campy is the right word, but I get I see what you're getting out with the peanuts, the just a general lighter hearted vibe to a few things. Yeah. I think that's a good comparison, actually. Not just because he's bald and wears yellow. <laughs> In conclusion, yeah. this is a, is a really nice, good standalone episode. I don't really remember what episode. Like, I kind of don't remember what happens in the next couple. Uh, the library. Oh, oh, oh! So we're coming up on some real goods and some real bads. It's real good, but uh, I, I mean, in yeah, general, I'm, in the grand yeah. scheme of the of book two, we're coming up on a couple real good things and a couple real bad oh, yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, that's okay. Um, the, oh yeah, the library. I do like the library a lot. I don't. I'm interested to see how I think of it in terms of uh, rating quality, but I know I personally like it a lot. So we'll come back with that in a couple weeks. And I'm sure that'll be very exciting. We'll either do one or two episodes and or some kind of debate. Hopefully we get some like new Netflix news or something to talk about between now and then. Yeah. I feel like we've gotten kind of silent on Avatar Netflix news. So it'd be nice to hear something. I think early 2020 is the last thing I've heard. Early to mid. Spring. That's the word. Uh, casting should start picking. They'll be having casting calls, they said, in fall, this fall. So fall is coming up soon. So maybe nice some casting... Something. Um, but I feel like those are like casting calls for like minor characters because <laughs> I feel like most of the time <laughs> they probably got no offense, major to, ones no, no offense mind, to anyone right? out yeah. there who's trying to go out for like Katara and, and Aang and stuff. Um, they might find the 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 diamond, you know, in the rough. Uh, a Latin reference. I've seen the Latin twice now. Anyway, um, <laughs> but sorry, um, John Mulaney, we've replaced you today with Aladdin. We're sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so casting, I spent some casting news probably in November, in fact, to put a, a month on it. I just feel like we've gotten a little cold on some of the news and stuff, but hopefully yeah. something good comes up. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you go check out Chris's channel and watch his top 25 favorite female characters in the universe <laughs> with him and his daughter. His top 25, her top three, I believe. Yes, and her top three favorite, yeah. Her top three favorite, and... <laughs> it's so watching her like her little her little gears turn while she's trying to logic out why she likes characters <laughs> oh it just oh so it was so adorable so I, I didn't it. i didn't i didn't like you know proper for these 
things. I'm just like, all right, what do you like about this? Like she mentioned that Korra is funny. That's not one of the things I love about Korra. Is how I funny think it was that she is funny when she's trying to bend or when she's yeah. trying to fight people. And yeah. I don't know why. I just I, I don't know. Kids see things in different light, and the way she sees it cracked me up. I loved it. So I hope you do. I'm not saying she has to be in every video, but I hope she has a presence again because I enjoyed every bit of it. So go check those out. Go uh, again, read the rise of Kyoshi, please, and then come talk to us about it. I can't talk enough enough about that book, but I can't talk about it at work because there's still like a couple people that want to read it and I don't want to spoil it. So read it, come talk to us, go watch that review. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. And that's all I got. We will talk to you again next week. Have a great week. Peace. Later, Chris. Oh, wait, my head. There we go. Wrong way. <laughs>